We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is Sunday, June 25th. Thanks so much for everybody who is joining us. Uh, it's going to be a solo show today. Uh, my normal colleagues, Drew and Ryan, are off this weekend. So uh, yesterday I had the great RJ Anderson of CBS Sports on to talk some MLB draft. And today we'll do some prospect questions that you guys had as well as some normal questions it's a fun time. It is, uh, we're not far from the trade deadline, a month, but you know, that's close enough to me, but important decisions. You got to make your decisions for your dynasty draft, all sorts of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, got some good stuff. And if you're watching this live on YouTube, feel free to drop them and I'll do my best to get to everybody. Uh, the first question I get is, would you consider dropping Gene Carlos Stanton? Boy, they did not think I was going to get this question on June 25th, 2023, but I do understand it. He's hitting 185. Now, he's dealt with some injuries as he normally does. It's unfortunately when you're built like Giancarlo Stanton, you are going to have injury stuff. But he has not been good this year. A, a slugging percentage of 393 from Giancarlo Stanton is almost unheard of. He has been one of the best uh, power hitters, supplier of power hitters, one healthy in all of baseball. I don't think I could drop him just yet. I think you can make the argument because of the fact that it doesn't look like he's going to help an average this year, and he's never been a stolen base guy. You can you can make all the changes to the bases that you want. Stolen bases are just not going to be a huge part of his game. I would just have a little bit of FOMO, and here it would be the fear of missing out of him going on one of those massive power runs I would certainly be trying to trade Stanton, you know, and maybe you're getting probably 50 cents on the dollar from what you paid for Gene Carlos Stanton, to be completely honest with you. But that's better than zero cents. I'd rather do that and trade him and do something along those lines. There's just a little bit too much upside with Stanton, but he would definitely be on my bench for now. And as soon as he maybe hits a homer, maybe homers in two or three games, maybe then you bring him back up. But if you can trade him, I think you have to. Um, which is really disappointing. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch. I sometimes get a little frustrated with how the New York Yankee fans have treated him. You have the right to do whatever you want. You can go to a game and boo people if you want. It's just, I don't think Giancarlo Santon is not trying to be good at baseball sometimes. He just, as he goes through these streaks, unfortunately this year it has been a long, 
long street. I'm just pulling up his savant numbers real quick just to see uh, how much. Like, it's tough to see because uh, he's the sample size is not small enough to qualify. But, you know, the max exit velocity is there. But an expected slugging percentage of 480, that's slightly better than last year, but that's that's not great. And when you cut add in that the expected weighted on base average is 318, he's deserved these bad runs. The strikeouts are actually down, but the walk rate is way down. I think you can justify trading him. And if you're really desperate for help, I think you can actually justify trading and cutting Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, I'm loaded with hitting prospects in my dynasty league. We draft the day after the MLB draft, and I'm thinking about taking Paul Skeens with the first overall pick ahead of guys like Cruz and Langford. Am I crazy? Yes. Yes, you are. Uh, and look, I, I really like Paul Skeens. We talked about this with RJ. Uh, best starting pitching prospect in a couple of years, in my personal opinion. Uh, 80 fastball, 70 grade slider, a solid change. You're not taking him over. I'm sorry. Even if you had like the top 10 hitting prospects in baseball, you're not taking him over. You're not taking him over Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford. Like those guys have a chance to be special fantasy players. Now, what you do then is if you are so loaded in hitting prospects and you need that pitching help is you look to make a trade, hopefully. And hopefully you're allowed to trade draft picks in those leagues and stuff. Trade. Uh, Trade that top overall pick and maybe move down to the third spot to take Skeens. See what you can get. Maybe you can get another pitching prospect with it. I would still be looking to take uh, Cruz in that first pick because I just think he has a chance to be an unbelievably special fantasy player. And so does Langford. Langford has a chance to be a really good one as well. There are also some outfielders that like Clark uh, that I think has a chance to be a really special fantasy player as well. But I just cannot justify taking Paul Skeens over those guys. I could justify him at third. I could justify him over high school bats just because you're going to probably see Skeens, whoever he gets drafted by. You could probably see him pitch the next year in their rotation. I mean, he's that ready to go. But because of some concerns with the fastball shape that RJ brought up in our show, and because of the fact that pitchers just have so much more volatility you need him to qualify for wins to be justified as a great fantasy option. You're going to see some bitter with the better. I think you have to go with Langford and them, but I, I could, I would consider trading down. Absolutely. Absolutely. would consider trading down. Uh, would you, thoughts on Lazaro Montes? Is he worth rostering right now? Well, I mean, some of this depends on what format you're playing in, right? Like if you're playing in a redraft league, no, <laughs> Lazaro Montes a player who is still just playing in the Arizona league right now is absolutely not worth rostering. But I'm assuming you're talking about it in a dynasty league. And yes, absolutely. I think Lazaro Montes is one of the more underappreciated prospects in baseball right now. The Jordan Alvarez com comparisons are not fair because nobody's Jordan Alvarez except for Jordan Alvarez. And, you know, there's some players as talented as him. But you understand him if you watch this guy play. I mean, he is a massive guy. He's listed at six foot three, uh, 210 pounds. No, he's close to six six at least, uh, 240. Uh, just started playing again in Arizona, hitting 290, 450, 419. Uh, hasn't homered yet, but that'll certainly be coming and has already hit four doubles, uh, six walks, and seven strikeouts. Very small sample size, but this is a guy who put up a 1.007 OPS in the Dominican Summer League last year. 
uh, doesn't turn 19 until October. So there is a long way to go. But we're talking about double plus power, a really good approach at the plate. You know, the, the concern here is going to be because of his size. Uh, does he become a DH? Does he become a uh, player that you can't play in the field? So far, that doesn't seem to be a huge concern, but it is something that you're going to have to be wary of. But his offensive upside, it's palpable. I really can see this guy being a strong middle-of-the-order hitter in three to four years. You're going to have to wait a little bit. But I would absolutely roster Montez, assuming you're not in a league where it's like keep for three years, that type of thing. And again, of course, redraft, it's just he's completely off the board. But if you're talking about a player like you're looking for the potential 40 homer guy who can get on base at a really strong clip and hit for some average as well, even with some swing and miss. And let's be honest, every six foot seven hitter in baseball or six, six or whatever the heck he is, is going to have a ton of swing and miss because you have those long levers. People throw very hard. Uh, it's just something that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, would you consider selling high on L.A. De La Cruz? I'm worried about the strikeouts. So, again, we're talking about redraft versus dynasty, right? Uh, in dynasty, no, I'm not selling L.A. De La Cruz. He is somebody that I am just, that's one of my roster staples. In redraft, it's a little more interesting because... Look, we have seen lots of young players. I mean, this is tale as old as time. Seen lots of young players look real good and go through some struggles. And I think we've even seen it this year a little bit with De La Cruz as well. I love De La Cruz. He's definitely somebody I want on my roster. But if somebody's willing to go nuts and offer you some real strong options for the rest of the year and you can't keep Ellie De La Cruz for the next year, yeah. Absolutely consider trading him. There, It's uh, good for you for picking him up or if you drafted him, whatever. It's weird to say about a hitter who's hitting 359, 428, 641 with three homers and eight stolen bases. Like those are fantastic numbers over 71 plate appearances. Those are fantastic numbers over 271 plate appearances. But yeah, if somebody wants to offer you some superstar, sure, go ahead. Absolutely think about making that move. In a dynasty league, you are nuts to even consider trading Ellie De La Cruz because he, look, this is going to come off as hyperbolic. He has a chance to be the best player in baseball. He does. There's a few guys I can say that about. I think even though Julio Rodriguez hasn't put up the great numbers uh, this year on a consistent basis, I think he has a chance to be the best player in baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna. Ellie De La Cruz is in that talent range. And that is such a high compliment for somebody who is just now playing Major League Baseball for the first time for, like, what is it now, two, three weeks? But, yeah, absolutely consider trading him. It, it's crazy to say. And consider trading for him. He could be that difference maker. He could be the reason why you advance into your postseason. It is absolutely something uh, that I would consider. But you better get in. Awful lots. Uh, question in the chat here. Uh, Big Brown, Brown, Big Ben Brown or Jake Eater? Uh, so for this year, Ben Brown. I think Ben Brown has a chance to be a really solid, if unspectacular, option for the Cubs this year. It was nice to see him throw strikes in his last start after, you know, having some issues with walks. Uh, I think he walked 11 uh, in those previous two starts. I guess my concern with Brown is, so I talked about this a little bit with RJ on the show on Saturday. If I'm rostering a starting pitcher, I probably want him 
uh, a young rookie starting pitcher, excuse me, I'm going to be rostering a lot of starting pitchers. <laughs> I, if I'm rostering a rookie starting pitcher, I'd really like to see a 70 grade pitch. I don't think Brown has that. I think he has three plus pitches and that's good, but it's harder to miss bats at a major league level with just those three plus. You really kind of need that plus plus is what I have found or four to five well above average ones. And he doesn't have that. He has three plus pitches and that can help him be a solid back end option. I'm just not sure I have that swing and miss wipeout offering for me to say, yeah, he's going to just dominate. And he doesn't have to dominate obviously as a rookie, but I wanted, I would prefer to see that elite strikeout pitch before making him a set it and forget it guy. Uh, I like Eater a lot. A guy who just absolutely, you know, he was solid at Vanderbilt, but absolutely dominated in the minors uh, and then dealt with injury, unfortunately, um, as it's, these things so happen to do, um, but has been really impressive when he's on the mound. I, I think he's more of a 2024 play. Uh, it's certainly a chance to play this year already in double A. Uh, just looking at the numbers, he has a 5.14 ERA. It's very small sample size. But just to give you an idea of how dominant he was in 2021, uh, 15 games, 71 innings pitched, 99 to 27 strikeout to walk ratio, and a 1.77 ERA. Uh, a guy who throws three pitches, two of them plus, uh, throws everything for strikes, has excellent command and feel for those offerings. A guy I liked a lot coming out of Vanderbilt and thought he was kind of underrated, only being a fourth-round pick in that draft. I'm confirmed to make, yep, fourth, 104th overall pick. Um, but I think he's more of a 2024 play. Certainly a guy I like a lot in Dynasty, though. Uh, somebody I'd be looking to pick up right now because once he gets up, you're not really going to have a chance to pick him up. He's not that dissimilar to Andrew Abbott, and we've seen what Andrew Abbott can do at the major league level. This is a... Uh, this is, that was a really good question. Um, here's another one that we got from my uh, Twitter. Uh, best ballpark food. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. So I'm a little bit of a weirdo uh, in terms of food. Uh, I'm a little bit of a, a combination of a elitist and a someone who um, has also a little bit of garbage gun in him. It is a very odd little combination. I suppose there's a little bit of that in everybody. I'm going to go with garlic fries, and something about that is a little bit locally based. It's something, if you've ever been to T-Mobile Park, formerly Safeco Field, you've smelt those garlic fries around the park, and they are so good. And I, a lot of people, you know, garlic can be overpowering for them. The more, the merrier for me. Like, there's there's no amount of garlic that I can uh, put in my mouth that is not too much it, it is too little it is i want more i want more eating all that garlic might be why i'm single but it's it's kept the vampires away too uh, but it that is my absolute favorite we're talking traditional food you know like the typical thing you're getting at a ballpark you know i like a good hot dog i'm a little bit of a weirdo there too i like my hot dog plain i, I will put mustard or sauerkraut on it uh especially if sauerkraut is there love sauerkraut but not a huge ketchup fan um, not a huge relish fan, even though I like pickles a lot. I kind of prefer just a kind of a plain hot dog. I'll be curious to see what you guys in the chat think about that one. Um, because I know there are a lot of really good foods. Somebody already bringing up nachos. Oh, nachos are so great. 
but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting little one. Um, see another one in the chat that we can uh, get a uh, 12 team head to head. How much longer should I stash Christian and Cardasio strand in my not available time spot? I've missed out a ton of other prospects by holding on to them and hate would miss out on Frelick and Kowser. So this is going to be, this is another question that I got. Uh, so I'll just double up on it. The, the other question that I got is you can roster one prospect from the remainder of the year. Who is it? Now, those of you who read my imminent arrivals article, and I sure do appreciate it. It comes out every Wednesday. Know that the player that I have at the very top spot is Christian Encarnacion Strand. I'm a little nervous about him getting the call-up now because of roster stuff. I was getting real excited that the call-up was imminent when I saw that he was playing in the outfield for a couple of games, and then that went away. Joey Votto is back and swinging the bat pretty well, and Joey Votto is going to play. He could be hitting 0 for the next... That uh, just sounded like I stubbed my toe, by the way. <laughs> he could be doing nothing. For the next three weeks, Joey Votto is going to be in the lineup. They are going to play Joey Votto. The Reds are not going to have Joey Votto not play. That's just the reality of the situation. And I think his best position is first base, Christian Encarnacion Strand. He can probably handle third base. I don't see third base as a, a realistic option for him right now. Certainly not second base, and you're not taking Jonathan India out of the lineup. Reds are right now playing as well as any team in baseball. I still am rostering Encarnacion Strand because I just don't see that other obvious option. You could justify Hauser, but the, hey, look at the Baltimore outfield right now. I've watched it against my Seattle Mariners. It's pretty darn good. Look at, uh, you know, the Mets. There's no real obvious option for Ronnie Mauricio, but the fact he's been playing in the outfield, I think you can justify it. And also, I just think Christian Encarnacion Strand's offensive upside is just too good. Like, you can justify saying that there are some better prospects in baseball without question, but they're all in double A. And you don't, I don't see an obvious path for some of these guys in double A. Marcelo Meyer, maybe just because he's so good defensively, and I do think he could help offensively as well. I'm not rostering him over Christian Encarnacion Strand. Jackson Churio, who's the best fantasy and real life prospect to me. I have a tough time seeing him breaking into that outfield this year. Next year, for sure. But this year, it's kind of tough to picture. Uh, Jordan Lawler hasn't been good enough, and the Diamondbacks are a legitimate win uh, option. Uh, uh, Diamondbacks are a legitimate win option. The Diamondbacks are a legitimate contending team. I... um, I just don't know. And as as you brought up, the outfield for Christian Encarnacion Strand is the best option. But we got to see him play in the outfield a little bit more before we can say that that's actually going to happen, right? Like that that those two games got me excited. But we got to see him actually do it a little bit more before we say, hey, Christian Encarnacion Strand is actually going to be an outfielder. Long story short, yeah, I am still rostering uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand. Um over any prospect right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. But I would say that you're going to have to be pretty patient, and it's unfortunately a really good question. Uh, somebody in the chat asks thoughts on Emmett Sheehan. I have been extremely impressed. What's really impressed me with Sheehan is, and this is similar to Bryce Miller. Sheehan had real issues throwing consistent strikes, uh, in the minors, even while putting up dominant numbers. He's been excellent in that regard. He hasn't missed a ton of bats yet, you know, especially in that first start, you know, it's hard to complain. He threw six no hit innings, but the strikeouts weren't exactly dominant. But he's been re- around the strike zone. He's kept hitters off balance. I think he's legit. I think he's staying up there. I kind of regret. I put him at number 10 in my imminent arrivals uh, article, like the week he got called up, thinking eh, maybe he's got a shot to come up, but there are some other options. I think he's here to stay. And some of that you know, does have to do with the fact that the Dodgers have had 
just horrible injury luck. Like just unbelievable amounts of starters who have missed time. And and that doesn't even include Walker Bueller, you know, the guy who was, you know, supposed to be the number one or number two on that staff, you know, being out with Tommy John surgery, a chance he might come back in September. Huh? I'll believe it when I see it a little bit there, but you know, Julio Arias and Noah Syndergaard, who I think was a mistake to trust anyway, but, and then you see Gavin Stone was just terrible and he struggled in the minors as well. Not saying feel bad for the Dodgers by any stretch of the imagination, considering how much money they spend and how good they are at player development. But, you know, they've had some bad luck. I think Sheehan is here to stay. I think he's got a real chance to be in the long term, close to a top of the rotation guy. And for now, you know, a solid, maybe I'm putting him out there, not out there when he has to pitch in Colorado or when he has to face a really good lineup. Maybe like Baltimore would be a tough little test for him. Everything else, I think I'm keeping Evan Sheehan for. I think he is one of the most underrated prospects uh, and most uh, unheralded pitching prospects coming into the year, and he's done absolutely nothing to dissuade my opinion of that. Uh, looking for stolen bases and have a dynasty draft coming up, I don't have a high pick. Who is someone that you would be looking to select? Ooh, this is a good one. There's a few guys. Uh, so... I don't know what your definition of not a high pick is. Um, Max Clark, who we talked about uh, with RJ, again, uh, really recommend you checking out that episode if you didn't. 70-grade speed, somebody you could probably get five or six. Uh, But if you're talking about, like, picking 13th or 14th or something like that, you know, 12th, uh, Enrique Bradfield. Now, Enrique Bradfield plays for Vanderbilt, has been one of the most consistent college baseball players. you know, he's not going to hit for any power. He is a smaller guy, and he does not have a swing that is conducive for hitting power, for hitting for power. He just doesn't. But what he can do is he can get on base, and once he's on base, he can absolutely fly. 80-grade um, speed for sure. And the other thing is that really helps you, We, you know, when we talk about defense, we talk about how, you know, it doesn't really help in fantasy baseball, except it does. It absolutely helps you because what it does is it gets the guy into the lineup and it helps him fast track. And I can see Bradfield absolutely being a fast track prospect. Uh, he's a very good defender. He has a solid enough arm to certainly play center field. And again, 80 grade speed. Like we're talking about the type of speed that could steal in today's game. 60 to 70 bases. And again, you got to get on base enough to justify that. And I do worry a little bit about the bat being knocked out of his hands at 61170. And I think he's might be actually a little smaller than that. Um, but I do think that he's going to be a guy who can provide some steals for you. Um, Jacob Wilson, another guy, you know, not super fast, but has really good uh instincts on the bases. I think he could be a stolen base threat. Um, Walker Martin, a guy out of uh Eaton, Colorado, somebody I would concern in that consider in that range. Not again, and not a burner, but I think he could be a helper in that regard. But yeah, Bradfield, if you're talking about just pure stolen bases, I think he's the guy that you want to target in terms of dynasty. Um, interesting question in the chat Brian Wu or Bryce Miller? I, I like both these guys. And look, Miller was not great yesterday, Saturday, uh, struggled with his command. And he's kind of taken advantage of bad lineups. I, I talked about this on my YouTube show, My OI. Um, 
He's been great against the bad lineups, and he's had some good start. He has had a couple of good starts against playoff teams too, but he's gotten kind of destroyed against the bad ones or against the real good ones. Excuse me. Uh, Wu has looked outstanding over the last couple. I just kind of worry about him a little bit, and I also wonder, you know, if the Mariners do get Marco Gonzalez back, which we don't know, and if the Mariners decide to use those off days to start skipping some guys. Wu is probably that guy. I think Bryce Miller is kind of locked into a starting rotation spot right now. Um, I still do like both guys. Now, there is a ton of risk that comes with them. There's a ton of risk that comes with every young pitcher, especially with the fact that the Mariners just aren't scoring a ton of runs, except for uh, Friday and Saturday when they scored 23, which, again, as a Seattle Mariner fan, I enjoyed very much. But you can't really rely on that offense to provide a ton of win chances. It's a little bit more risk than reward to me with those guys compared to some other players. Um, but long-term, I think Bryce Miller is that option. I love his fastball. I love that he generates so much spin on it. Secondary stuff is still somewhat a work in progress, but you see flashes that suggest that he's going to be really strong there. I like Wu too. I kind of wonder if Wu is a trade option um, for the Mariners in a normal year where they don't have so many injury, you know, Robbie Ray being out for the year. Marco Gonzalez currently being out uh, and Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, who have been good for the most part, also not providing a ton of consistency. I don't think you can really get rid of uh, those guys right now. Um, if you're the Seattle Mariners anyway, but long-term uh, I think that uh, I, I think that you're talking about Bryce Miller as a chance to be a really strong top of the rotation guy where Wu is more of a back-end option for me. Uh Let's see anything else here in the chat. I'm really trying to uh, answer all of your guys' questions. I really appreciate you guys tuning out. Uh, our buddy Chad, I'm sitting in the final seed with a roster that has failed to excel at anything outside of homers. So looking at a soft rebuild with trade chips of Otani, Trout, uh, Olsen, Trout, Otani, Otani, Batter, Nimmo, Wheeler, Woodruff, uh, along with elite relievers, Bednar, Helsey, Abreu, David, Robertson, Cano, Chapman. What kind of players would you target with that game plan? Ooh, that's a really interesting one. So you definitely got the, the bop. You definitely got the relief. So what I would be looking for, if I were you, Chad, is those desperate save guys and looking to, it sounds like um, you need to acquire some batting average and you need to acquire some starting pitching. So, you know, one of those guys, maybe if Luis Arias is available, is that somebody that could be targeted? Like somebody in that average category? Because with those, with that lineup, you can afford to take a um, take some bop away from you to get into the average category, and you know, uh, package one of those relievers for a, a solid starting pitcher as well. That's what I would be looking to do. Uh, I do see that you have Wheeler and Woodruff. You know, that's a strong little. Um, strong little starting rotation for the most part. Uh, but I would be definitely looking to get some average guys, like target those Luis Arises, target those guys who, you know, don't necessarily provide a ton of pop, but can still um, give you a little bit. You know, we're not talking about some dink and dunk, the, the David Fletcher of 2020 or that anything along those lines. But we're talking about um, some guys who can definitely help in the average category. Uh, for sure. Uh, let's see here. Henry Davis with a lot of question marks. Really like Henry Davis. I will say this. 
I'm more into Henry Davis right now than I might be in a few years. And the reason for that is I'm just not entirely sure he's staying behind the plate. And if Henry Davis is an outfielder, he's a solid player. But he's not nearly as relevant as he is as an outfielder. Excuse me, as a catcher. And I do think that they prefer Andy Rodriguez long-term behind the plate. Now, Andy Rodriguez is interesting, too, because he's played the outfield. He's played uh, some second base. Maybe you see a rotation of those guys. And hopefully what it would do is lead to both having catcher eligibility. But I think people fell uh, slipped on Henry Davis a little too much. Like, look, was he the best play- pitch? Was he the best prospect in his draft? No. I don't even think he was the second or third best prospect in his draft. The Pirates have notoriously gone the bonus baby route. And by that, what I, that I mean is they'll take somebody for a lower than slot in with that first or second pick and then spread that money around to a bunch of guys, hopefully improving your system that way. I have found most of the time that doesn't really work and passing on super elite talents is a mistake. But I, I understand the process. It's why Dylan Cruz is far from a lock to be the first overall pick. Far from it. He, it. There's a very good chance it could be Wyatt Langford. Very good chance it could be Max Clark. There's even a chance it could be Paul Skeens. Like, they are debating a lot of stuff because using that allocated system, it's not, and, <clears throat> and remember, it's not about ownership being cheap in these situations. This is about a, a situation where there's actual rules. You, there is a limit on how much you can spend. If you go blow out your thing, <clears throat> excuse me. If you go blow out your budget, you don't have those. Pl- you don't. You'll basically destroy your draft next year. You literally have to have some plan with it. So anyway, long story short, Henry Davis was not the best player on that draft class. But I think some people slept a little too hard on his offensive ability, even with catcher being something that could be um, something that wasn't a long-term plan for him. I think he's got above average chance to get on base. I think he's got plus power. I think his speed might start showing up more too if he's playing in the outfield, a chance to run. So yeah, for those of you, like somebody brings up the chat, Murphy being out for a long time, that's something that uh, you... Absolutely should be looking at Henry Davis to be that type of replacement. I also would say, even though he's struggled a little bit, Bo Naylor. Bo Naylor has a chance to be a really strong catching option as well. For those who are without uh, without uh, Murphy or somebody else behind the plate for a little while, I think both of those guys have a chance. Uh, somebody, Chad asked, baby Varsho profile? A little bit. Not quite the same amount of speed uh, and not quite the defensive instincts in the outfield that Varsho has. But yeah. I think baby bar show is a fair comparison. Um, yeah. Somebody also brings up that real Muto stinks. It's, it's been very disappointing watching JT real Muto for most of this year. He started picking up a little bit. The last time I checked Uh question here from Anthony, uh, what's the best strategy for a redraft league when picking a pitching staff? So I have kind of gone the other way from most people in terms of what I do for pitching. Unless the best option falls to me near the bottom of the second round, I'm almost ignoring it because here's what's happened with pitching the last few years. You take a look at like the pitching leaderboards over the last couple of years, and it is filled with some guys who get drafted high, but also filled with guys that are drafted in the fifth, sixth, 
seventh, eighth, not drafted at all, etc. I feel more confident taking guys that are, and you know, you can justify this the other way too. Like you can say, hey, um, because of the volatility in pitching right now, I want to get that guaranteed good guy. But here's the thing. I don't think there is a guaranteed good guy. I don't think there is that anymore because of the way pitching works. There are certainly guys that I like more than others, like Shohei Otani, like his ability to miss bats. But there's a ton of risk that comes with Shohei Otani that goes with that unbelievable reward, especially if you have him in as two players, uh, is when meaning that you get him to hit and you get to pitch. There's unbelievable risk that comes with Garrett Cole. There's unbelievable risk that comes with pretty much every pitcher. So for me, I would rather target hitters and then hope I can fill my pitching staff with some twos and threes and be in the middle of the pack in that regard and have enough offense to be good there and hopefully have enough offense to make some trades. Now, if you're doing my strategy, you have to be an aggressive trader. You have to be somebody who is looking to make deals because if you don't, you take the risk of finishing last in a bunch of pitching categories because you ignore those top of the rotation arms. But that's what I do. I, I don't think I've taken a pitcher except for one league um, higher than the fourth round. I'm just not willing to take the risk. I want to get those offensive stalwarts and I feel confident enough that I can fill out my pitching staff with some underrated guys, hopefully do well enough in wins, even though I, I think we all know how I feel about wins at this point. You've listened to this podcast before. Not my favorite category. Uh, let's see if we have time for a couple of more. Uh, here we go. Fairbanks, Puck, we go. Azalea, rest of season, please rank. Ooh. I probably think you got it. I think you've ranked him in, in the right order. That is... Um, that is a tough one. I'm not in love with any of those options, to be honest with you. I take there's risk with Tampa Bay, you know, being a little sneaky, sneaky with save situations. I'm not sure the Marlins are a super great team, but I have liked what I've seen from Puck. I'm glad he's healthy. I'd probably res, uh, reverse Alzale and McGuff. Um, it's not my favorite situation, but I think Fairbanks probably does belong in that top spot just because Tampa Bay is so good. Um, I think that that is going to be uh, how that works out. Let's see if we have any other questions. Um, I'm sure I did. Uh, here we go. Another one. Uh, another race of season. Gray, Rod, Sheehan, Gavin, rest of season. So I assume Gray Rod is Grayson Rodriguez. I'd go, oh boy, do I want to, I'm going to go Sheehan, Gray Rod, and then Gavin Stone because I just am not a hundred. Well, certainly Gavin Stone is last on this list. Long-term, I think Gavin Stone has a chance to be a really strong starting option. Grayson Rodriguez has mostly looked apart in AAA and have gotten good reports there. They're, they probably will need an injury or something like that to bring him back soon. I think he will definitely be back this year, but I think Grayson Rodriguez is more of a still more of a long-term play and long-term I'll take Grayson Rodriguez over all three of those guys. Um, but for rest of season, I think we'll go and Sheehan. Look, the Dodgers are really good and he's looked the part. I know uh, Bobby Miller, by the way, has struggled in these last few. 
I'm not terribly concerned. He was never that guy. He was like, a, he had like a 1.15 ERA or something like that. That is impossible to sustain. He was due for some bad. And even in his bad, he's had good moments and just had a couple of blow up innings. I'm still pretty high on him for the rest of the year. But Gavin Stone, I just don't see it for the rest of this year. I would need to see some significant success in the minors. And then I would take a wait and see approach and see how he pitches in the majors if and when the Dodgers give him that chance. Um, but yeah, that's how I'm going to rank those guys. Um, oh, I meant Gavin Williams is what they put. Oh, that makes it more interesting. Gavin Williams is a really interesting arm for me. That's okay. Um, uh, I'm probably putting Grayson Rodriguez third on that list then. I really like Gavin Williams. Wasn't great in the MLB debut, and it was against a not-so-great Oakland lineup, but I really like his stuff. I like his poise. I like his command. So I'll go I'll go Williams, Sheehan, uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Boy, that's tough. Thanks for giving me a tough one to end this on. Uh, thanks so much for your questions, guys. This was a lot of fun. Sorry my voice went out talking for 36 minutes. Uh, without a drink can be a little bit difficult. Um, uh, somebody real quickly asked me, Kikuchi, rest of season. I just can't trust UFC Kikuchi. I can't do it. Can't do it. I hope I'm wrong, but I just cannot trust Yusei Kikuchi. There's been just too much. We talked about bitter with better, way more bitter than better. Kind of the uh, uncooked, unsweetened chocolate bar of pitchers, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Had a blast. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Make sure you're following Rotowire wherever you can on all your social media. And remember, we have a brand new episode every single day of the week during the 2023 season. Thankfully, you won't have to hear my voice for another week or so. But yeah, really appreciate it. Uh, and stay tuned for next one. Uh, I had a blast. Talk soon. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.